I'm going to read from Jeremiah 29, first verse, and then 4 through 7. Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This was after King Lecomion. 4 through 7, the Lord Almighty, the God of, of Israel, uh, sends this message to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plan, plant gardens and eat the food your produce. Marry and have children. Then find, then find spouses for them and leave many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away and work for the peace and prosperity of Babylon. Pray to the Lord for that city when you are held captive, for it in Babylon has peace, we so, so will you. And our second scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, starting with verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. This man was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit. Make space now in our hearts. Make space now in our minds that your word might be planted in us and might grow and bear fruit. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. These two stories are stories of unexpected reactions. When Jesus heals the lepers, the ten of them go off to the temple. 
And if you can imagine that the feeling of being healed from something that, that had separated you from your family, from your hometown, what would you do? I imagine these ten didn't just walk down the road to go back to the temple, but they probably ran. And as they were nearing the temple, one of them, the Samaritan, the foreigner, as Jesus calls him, he recognized something special. And he knew that God had just worked a miracle in his life. And he was overwhelmed with the feeling of gratitude. And the one out of ten turned around. And he went back to Jesus, and he lay down at his feet and thanked him. As one writer said this week, gratitude is a window into the state of our souls. Most of the time, we walk around in our self-centered world. We think things like, I deserve more than I got. We find it hard to be happy for, for others. But gratitude is a mark of a, a soul that's at peace. We can only have gratitude when we start to recognize that everything is a gift. We have enough humility and enough sensitivity to God's grace to recognize it and to say thank you for it. The one Samaritan is unexpected. Nine out of the other ten, they followed the rules. They, they ran back to the temple. They went to see the priest to, to get their cards stamped to, to return to their homes. But as Barbara Brown Taylor says, the one Samaritan acted like a man in love. He did what was unexpected. He, he turned around and ran back to Jesus. There's an unexpectedness in the other story, too. The one of the, the Israelites in captivity. And to understand that, I think you need to understand what it, what it meant for the Israelites to be captured by the Babylonians. Uh, once the city of Jerusalem was conquered, the army from Babylon came in and plucked out about 10% of the population. One in 10 people was taken in captivity and moved, relocated forcibly back to Babylon. And the Bible tells us in several different stories, first they took the king and, and all the leaders of the government. Then they came in and took all the artisans and all the smiths, the, the blacksmiths, the hoopers, anybody that had any skilled trade, they went. And lastly, they took the young people, any of the, the children and the up-and-comers, you can imagine that these were all people valuable to the empire of Babylon. They took the skilled people, the young workers, and they plucked them all out of that society and moved them and their labor off to Babylon. That was at the fall of Jerusalem. Then, about 10 years later, the Babylonians returned and they took another round of the young people away. And then a third time they came back and they desolated the city of Jerusalem and knocked down its walls. These people are the enemy, the Babylonians. And what we read this morning is part of a letter 
that the prophet Jeremiah sent to the people who were captured and carried away. What kind of advice would you imagine should be in a letter to people who've been captured and carried away by the empire? Should they fight back? Should they try to return to their homeland? We have lots of stories about that, right? What do rebels do when the empire has attacked, right? I the you join the empire? A lot of our stories are about fighting back, right? Blow up the Death Star. The Star Killer base in this version, right? Or if you're not a Star Wars fan, what, what is our story about rebels when the empire is out of control? Good rebels fight back, right? And indeed, in many parts of the Bible, that was the advice given to those in exile. Now here is one of the Psalms that we don't read in church very often, right? This is Psalm 137. It doesn't come around as a, as a nice reading in church. It's not when we read responsively back and forth to each other, but here's verses 8 and 9 of Psalm 137. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is he who repays you for what you have done to us. He who seizes your babies and dashes their heads against the rock. There was a strain of people who were ready to fight back against the empire. The psalmist tells the people to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, their hometown, and to pray for the destruction of Babylon. But Jeremiah hears a different word from God. He writes to these people who are exiled and under the the thumb of the empire, and he says, seek the welfare of the city where you are. Pray for the peace of of Babylon. God tells them to make a life right where they are. To be faithful in this new position that they find themselves in. And Jeremiah promises them that God's blessing continues even in this new and difficult place. Now, most of us have never been exiled from our our hometown, but I bet you know sort of what that feels like. Sometimes we're in a situation of our own choosing, a situation of our own making. We, We have built our world the way we want it to be. But sometimes the situation has chosen us. Something outside of our control has determined the path that we now find ourselves on. That that can be at a high level, right? Uh, The pressures of society, the the doings of an institution, the, the forces of the market. It can be more personal. A decision made by our boss or our parents has an influence in our life in ways that we didn't agree to beforehand. Sometimes it's a force like illness or health, a diagnosis that you didn't choose and didn't see coming. Or we have nice words for for forces like this, words like economic dislocation, right? 
you've lost your job or changed your home or just feel less confident about the future. Exile in our world comes in so many modern forms of divorce, of bankruptcy, of diagnosis. So maybe in your life, you know how the Israelites felt. If you feel a little bit displaced, sometimes it feels like we're surrounded by bad news. We have conversations all the time asking questions like, what's happening to our families, our churches, our communities? What's happening to the fabric of our society? Things are constantly changing all around us, and often we don't feel like they're getting any better. But Jeremiah declares to the people in exile, the people who will spend 70 years as captives in a foreign land, that there is a blessing even in the midst of a difficult situation. If they read their Bible, they know that that's true in other stories too. When Adam and Eve are are kicked out of the Garden of Eden, God makes clothing for them. There's blessing in the midst of a difficult situation. When Cain kills his brother Abel, God puts a a mark of protection on him so that even when he's exiled to a foreign city, he is still under God's protection. And those who know the stories of Jesus, we know that when the sinner returns home, they find the grace of a welcoming father. Sometimes it's easy to see the world as a, as a scary and foreign place. But what if we lived like Jeremiah's exiles lived? Out in the world, but not of the world. What if we lived like Jeremiah's exiles, working for the good of the city where we live? It's a matter of our own spiritual well-being. Jesus taught much later that we were to pray for our enemies. Jeremiah tells the people that there's a different way to live. Rather than sulking and and stewing in a permanent hatred of their enemies in Babylon, something that we're getting pretty good at doing in the modern world, stewing about our enemies, he says, pray for them. Live peaceably among them, and work for the good of the city of Babylon. He uses two important verbs. He tells the people they're to go to Babylon, they're to build, and they're to plant. To to build houses and to plant gardens. In fact, later on in this, uh, this passage comes a very famous verse, one that you may have on a plaque in your house or something. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Those words were in Jeremiah's letter to the exiles. A people who were carried 900 miles from their hometown and kept in captivity a people who were trapped in a land whose language 
and food and customs were completely strange. And yet, scholars will tell you that this period of exile for the Israelites was really important in informing the faith of their people. While they were in exile, the people wrestled with God. They asked new questions, and they learned new things. It was in this period that they came to know that they could worship God anywhere, not just in the temple in Jerusalem. It was during this period of exile that the Hebrew Bible was pulled together in its form, current form for the first time because they knew they needed to preserve their stories and tell them to their children, so they wrote them down and valued them more. It was at this time that synagogues were formed and people began to study the word for themselves because their priests were 900 miles away. They had to answer the question, who are we in this time and in this place that we find ourselves? The theologian Reinhold Niebuhr said once, Nothing worth doing can be achieved in a single lifetime. Therefore, we are saved by hope. When Jeremiah writes these words to the people in exile and tells them to build houses and plant gardens, to, to take wives and build families, he also tells them that they will be away for 70 years. So the original hearers of this letter knew that it was not for them to ever return home again. But Jeremiah calls them to a completely new way to live, not in hatred of their enemy, but loving their enemies. Rather than praying for the destruction of the city of Babylon, they are to work actively for its peace and its well-being. Jeremiah's words echo across the ages, and, and they speak to us in the church today. What is it to live in a whole new way? To let go of the old patterns that won't work in this new world. Sometimes grief counselors and, and others talk about making a new normal, right? After some life-changing event, we need to adjust to how things are right here and right now. And Jeremiah brings good news. Good news to the exiles who've been carried away. Good news to us. To know that God is with you. Whatever you've been through, whatever lies ahead, wherever you've been carried off into exile, know that God is not trapped in some temple far away. But God's presence God's power, God's grace goes with you. Thanks be to God. Amen. And a new song that's hopefully to a familiar tune, uh, you'll find on page 2104 of The Faith We Sing. <clears throat>